You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'm excited to present you with episode number 949 of our podcast. Yeah, we've been doing it since 2009. Tony Safoyan holds multiple titles from being recognized as finalist for Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year and as president and CEO of SADA Systems, Tony guides SADA to help companies transform how organizations work, collaborate, engage, analyze, and report to meet business objectives and thrive. I've asked Tony to join us today to share how organizations can transcend into cloud services. Tony, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Tell me a little bit about you and your professional background before we get into SADA Systems. First and foremost, it's great to be back in Orange County. I lived here for a while going to UC Irvine. That was wonderful. It's a great college. Yeah, and one of my first real jobs was actually at a startup in Santa Ana. Taught me a lot about sales and marketing. It was a fantastic experience. So back to my old stomping grounds. Right. Because right now you're, or you're in, you live in the Valley, right? Yeah, San Fernando Valley. Okay. Not yeah. too far, but far enough. That's right. All right. But you're here in the studio. Great. So let's talk about the company then. I gave a little bit on the intro and the tease, but specifically, what is the business model for SADA Systems and what makes you different? Why do clients pick your firm to do business with over others? Let's go back to the history a little bit. So, you know, we've been around literally now for 16, 16 years, which is a long time. And a lot of people refer to us as sort of a born-in-the-cloud IT partner, Okay, uh, which is funny because there was no cloud in 2000. No. We've been around for a long time. But there were clouds in 2000. There were clouds. But the, not these kind. Cumulus clouds. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but it's sort of a, a badge of honor because I think our brand is now so much associated with the cloud paradigm shift to which we're very sort of, we caught on really early. Okay. At, I don't take it for offense, but I think it's it's interesting that we've been around for so long, and I, and I kind of respect our longevity in a, in a big way. Can I ask, what was it about cloud computing, cloud services that caught SATA Systems, I, your eye, the team, to say, hey, this is worth, because you got to place your bets as an entrepreneur. Big time. Big time. It's interesting. So I think part of it is um, there's always a little bit of luck involved, you know, in all these stories. And I think some of it is also kind of the... The boldness that naivete brings to the table with regards to, you know, taking on things that um, maybe others would pass on because they have certain perceptions and experience and and uh, and and you know I always saw the cloud as something that was uh, aspirational before it even existed because okay. when when our first big business took off, which was managed services, also I right. think that was very early on. People did not have a model for sort of a fixed-fee, preventative IT maintenance-type program for uh, small and medium-sized businesses. We sort of created that, I feel, but, of course, now it's, it's uh, sort of standard. But we, were, we immediately ran into sort of scale issues with regards to that. We mm-hmm. still had to go to every single office where people had their most critical information in some closet somewhere. Right. I had to uh, maintain and, and, and work on those. We ourselves tried to do something along the lines of what is now cloud. Two of our very trusted clients we convinced them that we could host their you know email okay. application okay. centrally ourselves wow. so you took it off premise and would yeah. you put it into your place then no we actually uh leased some data center space okay okay so we deployed you some technology around wow. terminal server and citrix and right. literally through days. any browser window you could access your email and everything and it didn't matter what machine you were on right. it was no longer sitting in your closet right we immediately discovered how 
expensive that is to do okay. for us at from a capital okay. expense standpoint. Also, how difficult it is to provide you know, 99.99% reliability. Right. So we actually ended up scaling, pulling it back and uh, putting, putting those customers back on premise. Thankfully, we kept them both um, through our great relationships and great service. Yeah, but you're lucky because that, that could have that damaged could have it right. really badly. Right. And then uh, some, sometime you know, shortly after that, I ran into this article. I think it was sort of in the Southwest Airline Magazine or something around you know, Google's enterprise program or product, and I think that year Google was number one on Forbes, you know, most valuable brands list. Okay. And I was like, well, nothing bad's going to happen from partnering with Google. So I partnered with them, and all they had back then was sort of a search technology that you plug in their box behind your firewall, and you could find all of your internal company information the same way you could find any information that's public on Google.com. And we thought that was exciting. Uh, convinced my father that we should spend $10,000 on this thing, wow. <laughs> which was a fortune back then, especially relative to the fact that the Microsoft partnership cost $800, you know, and <laughs> the Google partnership cost 10000 We did get a $30,000 search box out of it and a T-shirt, which is great. And then we did what we knew how to do, which was develop connectors uh, that talked to Microsoft systems. And Google's enterprise team was extremely small back then. They saw this work, and they're like, oh, this, these guys know the Microsoft stuff. And they tapped us on the shoulder and said, hey, we're coming out this, with this thing called Google Apps for your domain, I think it was uh-huh. called back then. If you do these 10 things, you know, we'll make you a launch partner. Wow. And when they described it to wow. me, I was like, holy cow, this is what we were trying to do ourselves. Right. Um, but with Google now, we don't have to worry about building the infrastructure yes. and maintaining it. Google is going to do that. We could just sell and deploy it, right? Right. You would think they'd have more resources. I certainly do, <laughs> and a, a lot more even now. But So that was kind of how we ran into cloud. But to us, it was not a question of if this was real or if it was a fad or right. some kind of risk we immediately saw it as the future and uh we kind of well you know went, went all in mm-hmm. which is important and so uh what type of client do you service so it's changed it's evolved so back okay. then um so our search endeavors by the way were a complete failure we didn't sell a single search appliance back then because <laughs> our average customer was like 12 <laughs> employees and they're like we're not paying thirty thousand dollars to find our documents <laughs> right over here but that, but that was the entree to, to apps, right? Sometimes these things are accidents. But mm. so I think uh, over over time we've been sort of pushed up market. I would okay, say good. You I know, think good? I think it's it's great. Right. I'll tell you a little more about my philosophy around where I think the the great opportunity is. But immediately the Google partnership gave to us our first big name out of state customer. You know, Northwest University Whoa. was the first customer that Google brought to us to deploy Google Apps. Because universities were doing it in mass back then. Okay. It was free to them. Okay, right. They all had sort of an old Unix-based system that oh they gave gosh. the students. Do you yeah. remember Pine? No. Pine email? Unix? No. no. It was this green screen email. They're like, well, we can either do this ourselves or use Google for free. And th- that was a sort of big market um, back in the day. So we were deploying the second ever Google Apps implementation wow. in the university. And we'd never done it before. And nobody had. And <laughs> It was super interesting. So, uh, so education became a big market for okay, us. State, education, state and local, um, is now very big for us as well. But you know, we've been pulled up from sort of the super small to what we define as the mid market being our sweet spot, and everybody has a different definition. They of do. What that yeah. Is. So, what's your definition? It's sort of you know around two fifty to about ten thousand employee space. Really depends on segment and vertical, but right. we feel like that that's where tons of the opportunity is because the kinds of things that Google and Microsoft and Facebook now allow those size companies to do, mm-hmm. they just couldn't do before. 
it was cost prohibitive right. and complex. They right. couldn't do business intelligence. Uh, they couldn't do machine learning, analytics. They couldn't do real-time collaboration. You know, wow. Those things were for the Fortune 100. Exactly. The domain of the few at the top, so, right? Yeah, who have the teams. So the best thing that's happened in the world of cloud for me as far as the uh, industry is concerned is sort of the democratization of yes. these amazing things. Well, technology has democratized business. 100%. You can do things now at a small and middle market that you could only dream of before at a price point that you can actually afford to scale. There's nothing that a 20% company can't do that GE can, essentially, right. Right. You know, to kind of simplify things. Right. Yeah. So that's exciting. So, Super exciting. Uh, um, we have just a few minutes before our next or first commercial break. And don't go anywhere. If you're listening to us live here on the OC Talk Radio stream or possibly you picked us up on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other podcasting services, I'm talking with Tony Safoyan. He's president and CEO of SADA Systems. I'm going to ask you after the break to talk about the core values of your company. Yeah. You know, we've talked outside. I want to go back inside. But, yeah. but, but before we get there, I heard you say your father, you, you talked to your father. So is SADA Systems a family business? Absolutely. Who started it? My father started it uh, with actually three other partners at the time. Okay. I joined shortly after when the OC-based startup was going under like all of them were. Uh, right. <laughs> and um, it's it's remained a family business that's self-funded, you know, growing 40% a year for the last 10 years, which is a phenomenal... Come on. Yeah. It's a phenomenal achievement. 40% a year for 10 years. Essentially. Congratulations. Thank you. That is not easy to do. I don't care what industry or what segment you're on or niche. That's true. I appreciate it. That is fantastic. So, um... Let's take a commercial break. It's only one commercial, ladies and gentlemen. It's a commercial for me, so I hope you'll stay and listen to it. And when we come back, Tony's going to talk about the core values of SADA Systems and, and how they kind of relate to their interactions with their clients as well. So we'll be right back after this one word from Rick Frenzy. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Francie, and I told you we'd be back very quickly. And all of our shows can be heard at any time on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on the show, and the company's put the interview on their website. Since 2009, our show has reached several hundred thousand listeners through the live stream here on octalkradio.net and our variety of podcasting platforms. Simply type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show into your popular podcasting software that you use, and you'll automatically, like magic, start getting the weekly shows that we do here on octalkradio.net. As I said uh, before the break, I'm talking with Tony Safoyan. He is the president and CEO of SADA Systems, and I wonder if we could, if you could share with our audience a bit about your the core values of SADA, and why is that important? Great question. Let's let's start why, with why it's important. I think, okay. uh, you know, we're... we're um, uh, sort of in a time where um, the only constant is change, and change is happening faster than ever. It's, a, it's just a sort of a transformational time in history, especially when it comes to technology. Yes. So it's important when you're growing this quickly and hiring the number of people we're hiring 
and taken on things that never have never been done before. I think it's important to ground yourself in, you know, what's hyper important, and it starts with core values. Right. And we have five. Okay. And uh, they're they're designed to be easy to remember. I'm going to um, uh, sort of go through them now, and I can double click on that. Um, if necessary, but the core values actually lead into a lot of things like core focus and you know, sort of the unique elements of, of what makes us great. But without that, you can't really have a true north, and you can't uh, recruit and hire and retain the kind of people that you need to do what you need to do. Right. And um, also the type of cl- clients you want to serve and the type of projects you want to do. I think that's important to be oriented in, in, in something that's uh, – uh, widely known within your organization and circulated right. everywhere. Right. And so... So they are. Um, do the right thing. It's important, obviously, in all aspects. Be one step ahead. Be a change agent. Make them rave and be data-driven. How long have these been the core values inside of systems formerly like this, where you guys About went? three years now. Okay. We went through a pretty extensive and well executed internal project to actually surface these. These okay. are not ones that I sat down with my dad and mom and wrote them down. <laughs> they're actually... Away from everybody else, yeah. They're actually sort of distilled from a lot of um, internal work with input from tons of people. Uh-huh. Most of our employees were involved in this process to some extent. Uh, it's important to have a relatively short list, and I think it's yes. important to have... You know, the wor- words and, and meaning are, are important in these. And they all, I, th- I think... Each one is, you know, extremely important on its own, but together they're kind of what makes SADA SADA in terms of how we look at ourselves. And even the way that they're stated, they're essentially like it's an instruction. Okay. It's a direction. Okay. Be data-driven. Right. If you want to make a point or if you're part of a debate or trying to make a decision, got to have the data. Can't just base it on how you feel. Emotion. Right. Right. So that's important. Of course, being one step ahead is hypercritical. You know, our brand is doing things things people have never done before. Being first to market with yes. apps and, fa- you know, Facebook's workplace product or Google, Cloud, you know, Microsoft Cloud products when they came out to market. If you're not thinking several steps ahead, kind of like how we ran into the cloud mm-hmm. uh, industry in the first place, you know, it's not that's not SADA. So, how do you how do you know you're living these values? Do do you how, how do how do you test it? You know, it's a really great question. I think. We go through ebbs and flows, of, and sometimes we, we feel like we're not quite executing on these all the time, or they're not top of mind all the time, and you have to set frameworks that remind you and everyone else what these are about. And part of what we do is sort of we have these sort of spot recognition elements that we anybody can give to anybody, okay, and they're tied to one of these things. Okay. So if you observe you someone right. you know, making a customer rave, you know, that's the kind of... Uh, feedback you, you provide in a very visible way. So it's right. one way to reinforce okay. what that means. So how do you hire for your culture? Because these core values, they form inform your culture. Absolutely. Right? That is the foundation of which the culture is built upon. That's right. All right. So tell me your hiring process that allows you to make sure you're bringing in people who understand these and like and agree with these concepts. You know, you've, you've hit upon... Um, what I what I sort of continuously refer to as the biggest challenge, okay, and the biggest competitive advantage over time, exactly to any any company like us, especially service company, but really any organization, it it is essentially uh, the combination of the talent that you have and the kind of people that you have and their culture. I mean, that is SADA. It is right. the aggregate of who we are able to 
attract, uh, retain, hire, and grow. In fact, recently we've hired a dedicated head of talent acquisition. Oh, I mean, okay. that's a real job. Right. Um, With some amount of importance. I mean, you critically n- does create the position, but they actually have influence in the organization. I mean, their only job is to help us figure out how to and then go and execute the best talent in the country, in the world, because without that, we simply can't execute on what we're trying to do. And you're in a competitive space, right? I mean, there are a lot of options for people with the kind of talents and skills that you need to go to work for. They're in demand. Extremely competitive. It's actually, there's two sides of this. Um, one is actually a really positive thing. What we're finding today is with with tech kind of doing what it's doing uh, and some changes in sort of the perception of, of Wall Street, you know, some of the brightest minds, technical minds, mathematical minds, scientific minds in the world. You know, in the 80s and 90s, they went, they went and worked on Wall Street. Investment banking. Now, they really want to work in tech. Oh, wow. Because A, we're able to pay, you know, right. um, much, much better. But also, there's sort of, you know, people want satisfaction and fulfillment. They want to go build things and do things and change the world, not just sort of create, you know, financial models, right? Right. Um, and I think... To some degree, that, that that's making the talent pool larger, but especially being in the West Coast and California and really, really anywhere now, the the world is essentially not producing the amount of talent that we all need right. to do what we need to do, especially in the new areas. Right, especially in the areas with high training and high skills. Especially in areas like data science. Yes. You know, data is the new currency. Um, we don't have problems getting the data anymore. That used to be a challenge. You just can't. Where's the data? <laughs> yeah, you can't find it. Now it's like, no, how it's, do you make the data meaningful? Well, you were actually. talking about business intelligence that's earlier, right? right? That's yeah. that's part. That is really uh, a powerful business decision-making aid. Data is the new currency. Yes. So my philosophy is the secret to sustainable competitive advantage is developing a workforce that is engaged. Hundred percent. Because it's 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 hard to do. It's really hard to copy. If a competitor comes back and says, I want to do what SADA System says, their people are great, and yeah. uh, they just can't automatically make Correct. that happen. Do you think having core values, building a culture on that, reinforcing it, is enabling you to have an engaged workforce? It's always a work in progress. This okay. is some area that you know we're, we're never fully satisfied. But when I look at, you know, let's say the last 20 hires, by the way, you know, we're up to like 160 people now. We have 30 open requisitions. Oh, my goodness. We just expanded to the seventh floor with 8,000 square feet more in headquarters, and we'll be out of space in six months. Are they all in the same facility? Uh, 90% of our workforce is headquarter-based, Okay, which is also a model that's shifting, by the way. We have a D.C. office. We know we need more regional presence. In fact, it's, you know, an Irvine, Orange County office isn't too far uh, okay. away. But These are big decisions, though. Huge. Right? Especially when we talk about culture and employee engagement, and now all of a sudden satellite offices. and It becomes harder. It does, because you're not there. But part always. of it is, where are, where are our clients? Right? They're, all, they're everywhere. Right. And also, where's the talent? I can't get everybody to move. I can get a lot of people to move, and we have. Their whole families, quit kids, everything, wow. thousands of miles. That's impressive. Across state lines and, co- and country lines, but uh, we know we need to do that. But, you know, this is uh, this is where we have to compete and win over the long term. Right. And it's, it is, to your point, the biggest barrier to entry, the biggest competitive advantage right. over the long term. Because um, uh, a competitor can copy your business model, your website, your messaging, your logo, so those things are very temporal. Yeah. But 
having an organization where the employees give discretionary effort because it's the right thing to do, nobody has to look over their shoulder, that also, I think, from a leader's perspective, enables growth, right? You can scale a business where people are pitching in and rowing along with you much easier than if if you have to do that for everybody across the business. The formula has become a lot more complex, right? It used to be essentially a coin-operated model. Pay people more, they'll work better. Right. Pay people more, you'll get them to move. You know, it's a new generation. It's uh, new new ways of thinking. You know, people want to work somewhere where they see lots of upside and opportunity, and they see Sada growing at this rate and doing things all the time that nobody's ever done before. Like this is exciting to them, <laughs> um, and they because of growth curve, they see a career path, and and also you know, people want to have meaning in what they do. They yes, want to see, they want to feel like they're making a dent in the world in a meaningful right. way, and that's a lot of what our technology, in fact, does. Do you have a lot of millennials on your workforce? We do. I would the way you're talking. It sounds like to me you might have a preponderance of millennials in your organization. It's actually well. all we used to have. Okay, <laughs> uh, back in the days. Now we have a mix. I think of some excellent senior leadership, which I think two years ago we would not be able to recruit mm. this level of talent. Right, because sometimes people won't come until you're at a certain scale. Right, scale, brand, excitement, whatever. I mean, I'm getting extremely seasoned people with great jobs because the kind of people we need generally are not on the street. Right, they're kind of have a great job somewhere. Right. Yeah, move thousands of miles from Boston and Philly and New York and wow. Mexico and whatever to come to come do this. And I don't think we could have done that, you know, a couple of years ago. But we need that mix now. We need the mix of the millennials and we need the mix of, you know, the experienced senior leaders mm-hmm. uh, that still have, you know, tons of ambition and drive and have sort of this runway of they still want to make another big, big impact in a new place. Right. And, and, and the culture fit there is even more challenging because I have kind of somewhat of a half a generation gap, that kind of thing. Right. But if you get that formula to work, it's, it's tremendously powerful because I think we outcompete and outhustle on, on a lot of levels now. And as we scale, you know, that's the biggest thing that I, I kind of fear losing. Exactly. I was just going to say, how do you lose that hunger yeah. when you're 200 employees, right? And people don't, you know, the further people get away from the customer experience, many times in my experience, the more they can lose that fire. Yep. When, when you're interacting with a customer, it's hard to lose that mojo. If you do, then you're not ever going to scale. That's right. Right. But when you have layers, then it can get a little bit challenging. People also love working with the partners that we work with. I mean, who doesn't want to be in the trenches with Google? You know, doing something like transforming the way that departments of transformation, uh, sorry, departments of transportation plan their construction projects. Right. Or the way that, you know, FedEx uses maps. Or the way that Los Angeles Unified School District deploys technology to its almost 300,000 faculty and staff and like a million students. Yeah, these are like daunting but yet exciting and somewhat scary things that yeah. all, all rolled into one, right? Yeah. So I'm talking with Tony Safoyan. We're talking about SADA Systems, and we spent this block uh, here on Critical Mass Radio Show talking about culture and core values. Um, I want you to stay for another segment. You got it. Okay. And we're going to take a very short break. It's another advertisement for me, so you'll definitely want to listen to that. And I want to build on that a little bit. Yeah. The, I'm fascinated when fast-growth companies have strategic relationships with these really large partners. And I, I'd like you to maybe explain to our audience the, the, what that means to SADA systems. Delicate dance. Okay. Let's go there. Right after this one word from Rick Franzi. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, folks. 
If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I have in the studio with me Tony Savoyan, and we're talking about his company, Sada Systems. And I'd just like you to know that each week we send out a newsletter with our radio show guests and a little bit about what's going on. If you'd like to be informed about upcoming guests, and we only send out one newsletter a week, it's really easy to register. Simply go to any one of my pages on my website, Critical Mass for Business, and at the bottom you'll see a guest list subscribe now just put your email in there hit send and like magic we will start automatically sending you one email a week that has the list of our guests so you can stay informed of who's going to be on critical mass radio show on the live stream and then as the podcast so before the break tony i said i want to ask you about the delicate dance with companies like microsoft and google can you kind of explain how that relationship has enabled your growth and kind of the partnership you know firstly i like to say that our experience is somewhat unique in that you know we're you know top-tier partner, maybe the biggest independent Google partner now uh, for the enterprise space. And also for Microsoft, you know, number one in the cloud. So our experience is a little unique. I mean, this is the MO that we're comfortable with. We never want to be a vendor's 100th most important partner. That's still sort of, a you know, A, it's complex to manage more than one, especially ones that, you know, compete. Right, that might look at each other, yeah. We've had to do a lot of things that are... I don't know what anybody else does, but literally segmenting field sales and delivery teams and having rules of engagement in place to make our partners comfortable with the fact that we do more than one. Okay. Um, and now Facebook introduces something very interesting that doesn't quite compete with either, but it's also a ground-level opportunity that we love with workspace. You know, Nobody's really quite solved the social engagement a challenge in enterprise, and I think Facebook has a pretty good chance of doing that. But you know, you're dancing with elephants. You know, At the same time, you're you know, extremely important to them because they can create all the great technology in the world and none of it will be deployed without partners. Right. And in some cases, there's certain things that we're simply better equipped to do or have, have built expertise around that, you know, they're not, they're never going to do this. So they, they need us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're sort of at their mercy, right? Their um, product evolution strategy. Right. Their partner model strategy. Their incentive programs. So what I think we've... Uh, differentiated on some degree and part of the contributor to our growth is as long as those changes are generally you know even as an even playing field related to the changes and there's always changes right our ability to respond and take advantage of the upside even though there's a downside has has made the difference our agility you know what do you do when google kills you know the hardware version of their search product before they release the software version of their sort of product, right? What do you what do you do? I don't know what you do. I don't know. <laughs> and just the, our approach and creativity and 
customer orientation and how we handle that is, I think, what makes us outperform at times of great uh, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If there's someone out there listening who's not a CEO and a business owner, maybe they're an entrepreneur or maybe they're uh, a, a high-performing employee and they hear this talk, what type of people do you look for to come to SADA Systems? If, if, if you could speak to them right now, what would you tell them to expect at your firm and who are you looking to attract? We love people that have, you know, a, a talent that differentiates them. They could point to, I could point to a person and say that that person is amongst the best in the world at what they do and it's very specialized. Okay. Two is, you know, a natural customer orientation. Not that customers are always right, especially in tech. They're often not. But your dedication to and, 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 and uh, courage to lead customers in the right direction that ensures their success in whatever their projects are. Uh, just having that innate because customer service orientation is, is critical. And then, you know, we want people that are truly enamored with this concept of, of having a real impact in the world, you know, of changing the world in a small but meaningful way. I think that's my, my, my Twitter ex- uh, introduction of myself is changing the world in small but meaningful ways. I think, you know, the, world, the work we do does have impact. When you move entire school districts or states to cloud platforms or even, you know, small businesses sometimes even feel greater impact. When you mm-hmm. see how their business transforms and the way that they're able to do what they do better by virtue of your work, right. that's very fulfilling. And I think people that find pride in that, you know, is, is extremely important. I think also people that are that understand our niche, I think for any entrepreneur, any any business person, being unique, in, it's not just about being the best. It's being essentially in aggregate one of a kind right in what you do and i think people are attracted to our cloud vision and our propensity to say no to a lot of other things mm-hmm. um people that understand that as uh, you know i think that kind of rounds out uh, the key qualities so i'm i'm guessing here tell me if i'm guessing correctly that your organization encourages people with ideas and breakthrough thinking and solving problems uniquely just kind of the kind of people that you're looking to hire i would sense that's a quality they bring with them I have so collaboration and a, a complete open door policy. We don't believe in a lot of red tape and hierarchy. Hierarchy is good and it's important, but there's never an issue with anybody walking in my office, both for their manager to be offended and for me to be like, I don't have time for you. Because yeah. frankly, some of the best ideas we've ever had have come from all sorts of places. I would think. They're the closest to it. That's it. They yeah. understand it. Yeah. I, I marvel at companies that either have a business model that's predicated on technology or that are in technology because the rate of change of the underlying business is so fast, coupled with customers' uh, expectation of what could be done right. based on what they've heard, right. either truthfully or not, yeah. that, that you're always in this sort of tug-of-war a little bit with your clients where things are moving so fast under you, you got to keep reinventing yourself from its delivery That's of it. service, but you also have to kind of rein in the customer a little bit about their expectations. We're incubating five or you know four or five new practices all the time. Right? <laughs> Sky for Business, wow, they're uh, going to transform you know the te- telecommunications industry in the U.S. Fifty billion dollar opportunity. Okay, we got to do that, right? Full stack. We have to, have, you know, Google Cloud Platform. People are doing things like trying to cure cancer with it. So pretty important. Right. Got to get on that too. So that that's that's uh, that's critical. It's important. We have a high tolerance for the unknown. And for pain. Right. And for uncertainty. Experimenting a little bit, right? We have to. But you also have to protect your customer from too much experimenting, right? 100%. Because they're deploying business-ready solutions. 
at the at the end of the day, if if, if it goes if it goes bad, it's always our fault. Right. It's not Google's fault or Microsoft's fault. Right. right? You, so we always, you should have known. Hold, we're always Tony. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I expected you to keep me out of trouble. That's where the customer service orientation is important. Our business actually depends on, and it's a it's a model that was very very new. I think the community is barely understanding it, but because we resell. Most of the technologies that we implement yes. on a subscription basis, okay. Actually, that's part of what contributes to the growth. The sort of compound effect of yes. recurring revenue. Love that business model. So, a lot of organizations say they depend on customers for life. It's actually an existential issue for us. <laughs> if we don't renew at ninety-six to ninety-eight percent all okay. the subscriptions, we can't fund the next level of growth. Wow! So it's that critical for us. So let's talk about the future, Tony. What? You'll come back here, and at some point in the future, we're going to talk about SADA systems. Where do you see the next level of the company being? So I see, um, hopefully, continued, rapid, profitable growth. I tell my COO he has two two instructions. One is grow at 40%, and two, don't run out of cash. Okay. <laughs> which is a challenge. Which is, which is important. Huge. So, you know, the only key barrier to growth to us is our ability, again, to recruit top talent. So careers... At Sada Systems, please search for that or sadasystems.com slash careers. We're, you know, 160 people now. Just this week, five new people started. and 30 know, open recs, you said. 30 open requisitions plus. And we're hiring people all around the country now. And, um, you know, that's critical. I think you almost said around the world. I heard you say Mexico earlier. Well, we're recruiting, too, so. you know, moving people from. Okay, <laughs> right. But uh, we're, we're, be, we're be very sort of North America. Because this is Internet, so who knows who's listening who to this. So there may be somebody if you in want to move foreign to the land. We do, we do the whole, um, you know, visa thing. Okay, so. perfect. <laughs> but um, And Southern California is beautiful this time of year. I always interview East Coast people in January. <laughs> I always over in January. It works. It, works. it does work. <laughs> it's a great closing tool. But um, so I see us, you know, it's critical that we kind of latch on to the next big waves of innovation. I think Google Cloud Platform and its ability to do sort of image recognition, machine learning, analytics, same thing with Azure Platform, uh, same with sort of the, the transformation and social engagement um, and employee sentiment analysis that uh, Workplace will provide with Facebook. You know, I hope you, you know, we continue to be number one and number two in the space that we play. I hope that we have more regional presence uh, we're taking on bigger and more ambitious projects. And, um, you know, s- staying sort of top tier in what we do is is critical for us. And I hope that we retain what's unique to us um, right. as we scale and we grow. So so I'm talking with Tony Savoy, and we're talking about his company, Sada Systems. So as you've scaled the business and you've kind of increased your footprint, y- you must be encountering different kind of competitors as well, I would think. Are you seeing different people kind of seeing you now? And- yes, yes and no. So, okay. so let's just talk numbers because I think it's important. So I think this year... We'll finish, you know, revenue-wise, about sixty-five to seventy million dollars. We have a clear path to one hundred million dollars next year, so we're not that small anymore, which right. is exciting. So we can do a lot of things. But if you look at the Facebook at Work launch partner list, the global list, only a couple of traditional IT services companies. A lot oh, of really? them are digital agency consulting firms. The nature of our work is changing. So are we seeing different competitors from that standpoint? You know, maybe. But my thesis continues to be true: is that the mid-market has traditionally been underserved by software vendors. Yes, I completely agree. But continues to be, and will continue to be underserved by great consulting organizations. Here's why. Most of us never make it out of the SMB space. Right. Those that kind of get to our customer size and segment generally either get acquired 
or take mm-hmm. a bunch of money and they have to change the strategy. Right. Cloud Sherpa's acquisition by Accenture changed what they do. They we used to kind of I used to have nightmares about those guys. We don't even see them anymore, right? <laughs> um, you know, new signature out in the east. They took some money and their strategy changed. So the, the traditional thinking is you have to move up market. You have to compete in the Fortune 500. So the space is kind of there's a, there's a perpetual vacuum, and Good. I think that's where we can make the biggest impact. And a 5,000 employee company or 1,000 or 2,000 employee company, uh, like first team real estate down here in Orange County, sure. or, you know, BCG well or all right. these guys, that big problems. That are I that are sort of not just IT problems, they're really line of business problems. Okay. And they will absolutely spend a lot of money on projects and ambitions that are have a tremendous ROI. Right. So underserved, that's where we kind of excel. And, you know, we're not, you know, there's not tons and tons of competitors there. Okay. I think that's where we can continue to win. Well, you know, it, um, just to build on what you said, we have just two minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show with Tony Foyan. Um Large corporations have a CIO and a CTO, and they understand the strategic implications of technology, and they they place bets on technology, and there's actually an expected ROI for that. And there's a lot of pressure on people to deliver, hence the churn in those positions at a lot lot of large corporations. Lower middle market and middle market companies tend to not have anybody. Maybe they have an MIS director, but they really maybe strategically don't have anybody around the C-suite who's talking about how technology can make a difference in their business. And as you're explaining today, it can make a radical difference in their business. And if they have the right partner, they don't need to hire the CTO. They just have to pick right on the partnership. It's okay to have a CTO. Actually, we prefer to have leadership there. But because of the perpetual underserving both by vendors and systems integrators, the CIO or the CTO, they've been the office of the CIO, which is when the line of business comes and says, I want to do this big, ambitious project. They're like, we don't know how to do it, and we can't afford it. So, no. Right. Yeah. So, cloud is changing that. And what we work a lot on is actually bridging the gap between the CIO's office and line of business. Okay. Making them friends. Okay. Making the CIO the hero. Beautiful. Um, because, actually, the funding for a lot of these projects is now is coming completely out of the IT budget. Right. A lot of businesses funding these big projects, but we have to have buy-in from the leadership level down for these things to be successful, including buy-in from the CIO or the CTO. That's what I think we're starting to do really well. So if someone wants to learn more about SADA systems, maybe there's somebody out there who would like to consider an employment opportunity with you, how do they Yeah, how do they find you online? SADASystems.com slash careers. How do you spell that? S-A-D-A-Systems.com slash careers. Also... Twitter at Safoyan is my handle. You always find everything else from that. And uh, um, yeah, just Google Can you us. Spell Safoyan. Us. Absolutely. At S A F like Frank O I A N like Nancy. And, and we're also on the Facebook page of uh, OC Talk Radio. There you go, baby. Yeah. Okay, last question. I thought that was the last question, but Sada Systems. What's the name mean? Good question. So acronym of the last names of the. Original four founders. Okay. Only the S remains in Safoyan, but we've kept the name. Okay. Kind of like it. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a pleasure. Likewise. I've enjoyed learning more about you and your firm. Congratulations on your success and your continued growth. As we're going to have you back in the future. Are you going to have me back? I'm going to have you back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. We've been doing this since 2009. We'll be doing it in the future. Not a problem, Tony Thanks, Safoyan. Rick. It was a pleasure. Welcome to the Critical Mass community. Hey, great to be part of it. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. So let me simply tell you that I'd like to thank our engineer for today, who is Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park. 
Yes, he's wearing a SADA Systems hat that Tony brought. Do you see it? Look at that. <laughs> Our producers are Crystal Nunley, Haley Stern, and Joan Park, and I'm your host, Rick Frenzy. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show or the firm that I lead, criticalmass4business.com is the website, for spelled F-O-R. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 